Well, first of all, uh, tonight, uh, can I say uh, thank you to uh, Brother McLean for his kind words of welcome. Uh, it is a pleasure to be with you here tonight and uh, to share a little bit more about the work of uh, Revival Movement, Every Hope to See It. Uh, we know that many of you have been following the work, and we appreciate that very much. We appreciate all your prayers, your support, and we say thank you uh, for all of that. Now, uh, tonight, um, before we talk about the work, I want us to look at the Word of God, and I want us to read a few verses here uh, from Acts chapter 14. Acts chapter 14. Now, what we're going to do tonight is we're going to break in uh, to the... This is really the end of Paul's first missionary journey. So, it's Acts chapter 14. We're going to commence reading at verse 23. And as I say, we're breaking in right at the end of Paul's first missionary journey. So, verse 23. And when they had ordained them elders in every church and had prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord on whom they believed. And after they had passed throughout Pisidia, they came to Pamphylia, and when they had preached the word in Perga, they went down into Tatla, and thence sailed to Antioch, from whence they had been recommended to the grace of God for the work which they fulfilled. And when they were come and had gathered the church together, they rehearsed all that God had done with them, and how he had opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles. And there they abode a long time with the disciples. In verse 27 there, there is a little phrase that I just want to pick up on tonight. And um, it's whenever uh, Paul finished the missionary journey, he brought all the church together, and then it says they rehearsed all that God had done with them. All that God had done with them. You know, if you go back there to chapter 13, and uh, right at the beginning of chapter 13, we find that uh, the church are all meeting together, and there they are, gathered together in prayer and fasting, and then um, the Holy Spirit speaks to them and says, set aside Saul, set aside Barnabas, and I want them to do this missionary journey. Uh, and that's exactly what the church do. They send the two of them off, and they start out on this missionary journey. And... Uh, you know, fairly quickly, they arrive in the city of Papos. When they arrive in Papos, they have an amazing opportunity because uh, one of the leaders of the city, they t it talks about a deputy, but he really is one of the leaders of the city, is interested in the message that Paul is preaching. He wants to learn more, is asking questions, and so on. But at the same time, there is another man there, a man called Elimus. And Elimus is doing his absolute best to distract the leader of the city, to try to turn him away, to try to uh, get him to think about something else. Uh, and this situation goes on. Now, Elimus is known as a sorcerer. And Paul, or Saul, puts up with this for a certain amount of time. And eventually, in verse 11, we find Paul speaks. And this is what he says, the hand of the Lord is upon thee. In other words, what was Paul actually saying? He was actually saying, look, this is not me. This is what the Lord is doing. And this is what the Lord is actually saying. 
and thou shalt be blind, not seeing the sun for a season. And immediately the man was blind. But what I want you to note is it was God working with Paul. It was not Paul doing it all on his own. It was God working with him. And immediately the deputy, this man, the leader of the city, when he sees this miracle takes place, he immediately trusts the Lord to be his savior. Incidentally, this is the first recorded miracle uh, that Paul actually did. But we find Paul moves on from uh, Papus, uh, came to Perga uh, in Pamphylia, uh, and then he moved on again to Antioch in Pisidia. Now, uh, you realize, of course, Paul set off from Antioch, and it sounds as if he's ending up in Antioch again, but it's a different Antioch. If you were to look at today's world map, you would find the Antioch that he set off from was in Syria. The Antioch here in Pisidia is actually in Turkey, in today's um, maps. Uh, and again, we find that Paul starts to preach. Many, many people in that city are interested in hearing. The Jewish people are interested in hearing. The Gentile people, they are also interested in hearing, with the result that literally huge crowds of people are coming um, out in the city to hear him speak. And of course, what happens? Well, the Jewish leaders get upset, and they are annoyed. Why? Well, why does all the people turn out to hear this man, Paul? Why do they not come and hear us? And they get jealous, they get upset, and they start to do everything they can again to oppose uh, Paul. And again, verse 47, we find God speaks through Paul again. <clears throat> and again we find Paul uses these words. The Lord commanded us, saying, I have sent thee to be a light of the Gentiles, that thou shouldest be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. Again, what is Paul doing? He's saying, look, this is the Lord. It's not me. This is the Lord. God working with them. And you know, uh, again, just to put it into a simple explanation, what has actually happened? God has said, all right, you Jewish people, you have had your opportunity. You have heard the word preached. You have refused to accept. I'm now opening up the gospel to all the Gentile people. And what do we find happens? we find that there is a multitude of these people come and trust the Lord to be their Savior. And there was great joy amongst the Gentile people. Uh, again, Paul moves on, arrives into Iconium. And verse 1 in chapter 14, we find him there in Iconium. And what does it say? A great multitude, both of the Jews and also of the Greeks, believed. God working with them. Of course, Paul moves on from Iconium. And he ends up in Lystra. Uh, and again, we find the Jewish leaders rise up against them. And again, we find it, it goes to the extreme. They literally take Paul out of the city. They stone him. He's left for dead. But thankfully, he wasn't dead. And uh, uh, again, up um, Paul gets, and away he goes again. And what does he do? He starts, and he goes in reverse, you might say, right back through all the cities that he visited. Uh, and verse 23, what does it say? It says, and they ordained them elders in every church and prayed with fasting. And eventually, he gets back to Antioch. And 
What does he do? He brings the whole church together, rehearses unto them the things that God has done with them. You know, tonight, isn't it absolutely amazing to stop and think that, you know, here we are talking tonight about the God of the heavens, our creator, the one who made our world, the one who made the heavens, the world, that, one that made the stars, and so on. And yet, he is willing to stoop and work alongside us. And that tonight should be a great encouragement, God working with us at the same time. There is also the great encouragement. God has given us this great role of spreading the word of God, of sharing the good news of the gospel. But he doesn't leave it all to us. It's not a case that we have to carry the whole load and we have to do everything. It is God working with us tonight. And you know, whenever we say a word, whenever we go out to speak to somebody, we go to share the good news of the gospel with somebody, you know, we need to remember this, that God is working with us. You know, so often we can't actually see what happens whenever we share the gospel with somebody. We don't actually really know what happens deep within their hearts, but God is at work, and we can be sure of that tonight. And that tonight should be a real encouragement to us as we share the word of God with others tonight. You know, as you look at the, the um, here, we find um, uh, these men that um, we find Paul, we find, we, we think of Paul's testimony tonight. We think of Ananias. There was Ananias, that man who God spoke to, told him, go and pray with Saul. And as far as Ananias was concerned, Saul was this wild man that was causing absolute havoc in the church. But Ananias was faithful, Ananias was obedient, and he did what God told him to do. Do you ever stop and think, what would have happened if Ananias had not gone and prayed with Paul? You know, it's interesting, just little thought. But you know, Ananias was faithful, he was going to literally into the uh, lion's mouth, you might say, uh, but he was being faithful. And here's all these men that we are looking at tonight, and we're talking about, we're talking about Barnabas, we're talking about Paul, we're talking about Ananias, all these church leaders. These were men who were absolutely faithful, absolutely sold out to the Word of God, ready to lay down their lives for the preaching of the Word of God. Friends, tonight, isn't it tremendous that whenever we are willing to do what God wants us to do, God is willing to work with us. And that is tonight what I'm coming here to do in another respect. Because I'm coming here, and I'm talking about the work of Revival Movement, I'm talking about the work of Every Home Crusade, and I am talking about what God is doing with us. This is not our work tonight. It's not the work even of all the supporters uh, that are behind the work and pray for the work, but it is God working with us. And tonight, as we talk about the work, we want to give God all the glory for what is going on uh, right across the world through the work of literature distribution. You know, I want to take you tonight to the factory. Let you see a little bit. Somebody wants to knock some of the lights out um, so that the picture's a bit clearer. Um, that would be good. Um, now, uh, this machine that you see running here uh, is um, the Conceptor printing press. Uh, it is printing one roll of paper um, at, a t at a time, uh, but it's high speed. Now, altogether, last year in the factory, we used a total of 1,500 
and 35 tonnes of paper. So that was a lot of paper that went through the factory uh, this past year. We have then this five-colour Heidelberg press. Um, instead of using rolls of paper, it uses sheets of paper. And uh, it gives us a lot of versatility because we can use different sizes of pages. We can use different thicknesses of paper, different qualities of paper. Um, but that just gives you the five-colour press. Now, altogether, we're printing in 95 different languages. So it gives you an idea we're covering a lot of, a lot of the world. Now, um, that machine, whoops, uh, going too fast. I want to go back, but I'm not sure it's going to go back. Right, I'll just let it be. Um, so this is the guillotine. Uh, these are CF flashcard Bible lessons. Oh, we've gone back, sorry. Um, this is just uh, feeding the paper in. Um, that's meant to be a video. Oh, we're going to go, right, let's just let it be where it is. Right. Um, so we have the guillotine here. Uh, we print uh, CF flashcards. We print eight flashcards um, on the one uh, big sheet. Then they go to the guillotine afterwards, and they're cut down into individual uh, flashcards. Um, and then those go to be made up into the books uh, later on. Now, this here is what we call the saddle stitcher. Now, um, uh, Right, I jumped again, sorry. Um, but that was the saddle stitcher. That is for stapling um, all of our booklets. Um, last year, we, uh, we, we do a lot of Gospels of John. Um, Gospels of John are important to us because it is the Word of God. We print literally millions of these. But then on top of that, there's a lot of other booklets as well uh, going through the press. Then we have uh, the folding machine and... It's not liking these videos. Um, so uh, th that was one of the folding machines. Um, and again, it's a, um, uh, we have five different folding machines, folding different uh, booklets and so on. Then they have to be stapled. Now, this here um, is uh, the CF flashcard Bible lessons. Uh, we collate all the pages, make them all into the book, uh, but then they have to be wire spiral bound. And we have a group of volunteers that come in. And the volunteers um, work on the spiral binder. So the first thing we have to do is punch a hole in the entire book. Uh, you will see in the very center of the picture there uh, the roll of spiral wire. That is fed into the book. Uh, and then at the end, uh, the books then are packed with uh, teacher guides uh, and ready to go out uh, to some part of the world. So, as I say, we have a whole team of volunteers work every day uh, working on these books. Now, we have uh, our store, very busy place, because um, we have all the paper for the printing. So, literally every day in the factory, there's between five and six tons of paper moving in to the print room, and then five, six tons of finished material coming out of the print room. So there's just a constant cycle uh, of material. Um, then uh, we have deliveries of paper coming in. And uh, so that there is about nearly three quarters of a ton of paper in that one reel. Uh, and we will be getting loads, 22, 23 ton of paper at a time uh, coming into the factory. So there is just a constant flow of paper in and, of course, then literature going out uh, as well. So then we have the shipping of the literature. 
Sometimes we're posting little five-kilo parcels of literature. Other times it's pallets of literature. Other times it's 20 or even 40-foot container loads of literature going out uh, to different parts of the world. Altogether, we're sending literature to about 170 countries uh, around the world. So it gives you just a little bit of an idea uh, as to what is going on um, at this moment. This here is the largest um, uh, machine that we have. It takes three rolls of paper, prints them all at the same time. So you have three lines of paper going through the machine. Uh, it is then uh, folded. Uh, sorry, we're jerking here. And uh, then you have the finished sections are folded, cut, and coming out the other end. At that at moment, you're running at about 12,000 sections an hour. Uh, and those are Gospels of John uh, being printed um, at that moment. Uh, that machine there can print uh, color on all uh, sides of the paper. Um, so um, uh, it gives a lot, of, um, uh, a lot of variety, especially whenever it comes to young people's booklets. We can produce color booklets uh, for young people, uh, which is very important uh, in these days. Now, I want to take you to some of the other parts of the world tonight. Uh, I want to go, first of all, to South Sudan. We're working there with an organization called Mailbox Club. And uh, they have an amazing opportunity because the government came to Mailbox Club and said, we would like to put your booklets uh, into the hands of every pupil in the schools of South Sudan. That means we're talking about three million students getting these Bible um, study booklets. Um, so, uh, to give you an idea, then as well, the government said, we will also want your teaching material. So, we want all of that for the teachers uh, so they can teach all the Bible lessons. Um, so, it was, it's a huge project. We can ship about 200,000 booklets plus teaching material in a 20-foot container. And we do that on a, sorry, on a regular basis that is going out uh, to South Sudan. Now, uh, this particular consignment arrived in the city of Juba. And uh, the folk uh, decided that they wanted it in the city of Rank. Now, uh, again, if you're looking at your map, Juba is pretty far down in South Sudan, and Rank is quite a bit further north. And they decided the best way to transport this whole consignment was by river boat. The first thing they did was they opened up all the boxes, they wrapped the literature in plastic, put it all back into the boxes. Uh, you'll see then they put bamboo canes in the bottom of the boat and then built the boxes all on top of that. Uh, whenever they have the boxes all um, uh, packed onto the boat, then they have a great big tarpaulin, and they put that right over all the boxes to protect them. Interestingly, then what they do is they put the people on top of the, on top of the literature. And uh, this is how they're going to travel. And they're going to travel up the River Nile, the White Nile. Um, now, the journey was expected to take eight to ten days on the Nile. The only problem was that a terrorist group decided to hijack the boat en route uh, and held it for ransom. And uh, eventually, uh, we weren't involved in any of that, but eventually the boat was released and eventually um, it arrived in the city of Rank 
and uh, thankfully all the booklets have already been used out there uh, in the city of Rank. So, but it just gives you a little bit of an idea as to what's going on out there. Now, we're also working with Mailbox Club in a lot of other countries. This is Sierra Leone in West Africa. Um, so, whenever the literature arrived, uh, the teachers, they all got training as to how to use the material. Uh, then, uh, after the training was complete, then the students, they started, and the uh, boys and girls got uh, the booklets. So they were able to start doing the lessons. Now, we're working into almost all the African countries, uh, all the English-speaking countries and all the French-speaking countries. I'm printing these mailbox club booklets uh, for uh, young people in the churches and so on. So there's a lot of work goes on there. Now, this is a conference um, uh, that I was at uh, recently there in uh, Ethiopia. Uh, this was uh, Every Home for Christ. They brought together all of their leaders uh, from West and South Africa. So I had the opportunity of being able to talk to many of these leaders. Uh, a lot of them have already used our literature, and then others in turn are asking for supplies of literature. Um, so we, we met many of them and had uh, uh, good talks with them. Uh, again, they had their own meeting, their, their own meetings. Uh, I spoke in one of those meetings. Uh, one of the things that they were interested in is our digital library. Uh, whenever COVID hit, um, we started and we put a section onto our website. Um, and there you can go in and read uh, a gospel tract, any tract that you like. Uh, you can pick it, read through it, and then using um, your phone or whatever, you can use social media, send it on by email, send it, put it via Facebook, WhatsApp, all these different things, uh, and send it to other people. Um, so we built that onto the website. During COVID, a lot of people use it. People are still using it today. Um, with a variety of languages on there as well, and people are sending the, the tracts to other people um, from the website, uh, and we found that. And these folk were really interested in how we did this and how they could do it uh, as well. Um, now, uh, let me see. Uh, whoops, I'm going too fast again. Um, uh, this couple here... There's another guy in there somewhere. I want to find him. Yes. This guy here, Samuel. All right? Samuel is from Ethiopia. He is the leader of the work in Ethiopia. He told me a very interesting little story. Um, he said, um, one day he went to a church to visit and was hanging around at the beginning and was talking to people. And uh, he started talking to the usher, young guy. He said to him, how did you become a Christian? Well, this young guy says, I grew up in a non-Christian family. Uh, I suffered from depression for about a year. I wasn't out. And then one day my sister came home and brought a leaflet and put it on our table. She wasn't a Christian either. But uh, later he says, I picked it up and started to read it. The title was A New Start. When my sister came home, I said to her, where did you get the leaflet? And uh, she knew the church that she got it from. So he decided to go. And he went to that church. And there he trusted the Lord to be his saviour. Um, he got involved in the church. Today he's an usher in the church. And what Samuel said was this, um, and what Samuel knew. Because as soon as that young guy said the tract was a new start, Samuel knew 
That was one of our tracts that Samuel had taken, had translated into the Amharic language, sent it to us to print. We had shipped it back, and he had distributed those in Ethiopia. And this was one of the tracts coming full circle. So just a little encouragement as to the way it works. Now, um, this other couple here, they are from Angola. Um, and uh, we have not shipped very much material into Angola. We've always found it a difficult country to ship into. But this guy, he was very enthusiastic that we get him a lot of literature. He said shipping and importing for him was not a problem. So uh, we're looking forward to be able to work with him and get him uh, a supply um, of material. Now, um, then on the last day that we were in Ethiopia, we spent it with CEF. And uh, we, we more or less said to them, look, you know, you arrange the day and uh, let us see some of your work. So they took us to a five-day club. And uh, they took us to a church um, in the city of Addis Ababa, um, but it's an Eritrean-speaking church. Because of Eritrea and the situation in Eritrea, many people have come. They're refugees now in Addis Ababa, and uh, this was a church that has been set up and these are all children, Eritrean children, um, attending uh, this five-day club. Uh, they had all the normal program, quizzes, memory verse, missionary lesson, Bible lesson, uh, and so on. But what was really interesting was when we were there, maybe half an hour, this guy walked in, and he looked at us, and we looked at him, and he says, how did you get here? Because this was the guy that was at our conference and uh, this was the guy representing the country of Eritrea at the Every Home for Christ conference. And when he walked into the church, he says, this, I'm the senior pastor. This is my, one of my churches. And uh, he was really excited that we had come to visit. And uh, then he took us, and lo and behold, we discovered a whole lot of our own literature that we had printed in the uh, Tigray language, which is also the same language as is spoken in, in uh, Eritrea. And he had a whole supply of our literature sitting there and was very excited to show it and talk to us about it. Um, we went with CF. They built a new um, headquarters out there. It means that they can do all their training and so on. Uh, they had a training, day, or a training program for 75 workers, um, and they were able to conduct it in this new building uh, that they have just formed. Uh, we have printed them a lot of uh, flashcard Bible lessons in the Amharic and the Aroma languages. So this is some of the material that we have actually uh, printed for them. We're in the process of printing more literature uh, and getting ready to ship it. Nigeria in West Africa. Huge country. Estimated 200 million people living in Nigeria. Now, um, we have a depot in Lagos. There we ship, normally we ship a 40-foot container to Nigeria because we get that much more literature into the container. It arrives in this depot, it's unloaded, sorted out, and then moves out all across the country. These people that are gathered here in the depot um, are all evangelists uh, that use our literature, and they've come together for a day of prayer. And uh, there they're praying for the work of revival movement and at the same time for the literature distribution um, in Nigeria. Uh, and in case the ladies are feeling left out, uh, but this is a ladies' day of prayer as well uh, that uh, is conducted. Now, 
Uh, this lady here has looked after that depot. She has had an official name. I'm not quite sure where she got it, uh, but she was always known as Pastor Akima. She wasn't a pastor in the sense of a church pastor, but she had always this name. And she has run that depot for a long time now um, and has done an excellent job. She's known as a very tough lady uh, to work with uh, for the very simple reason she is very fair with everybody. Uh, and she knows she has a certain amount of literature to uh, to distribute and to share out amongst all the evangelists. And she has literally hundreds of evangelists coming um, all the time looking for supplies of literature. And you know what it's like? Well, people, I could do with, you know, 10 boxes, 20 boxes, 30 boxes. Uh, and she knows that if she gives 10 or 20 boxes to one group, other groups are going to get nothing. And uh, that is why she's known as tough because they can't budge her. Uh, and they can't get her to change her plan. Um, but she is fair and is known then to give everybody something uh, and to keep the literature going. Because uh, one of our problems is that we never quite know how long a container when leaves us, how long it's going to be on the high seas. And uh, sometimes the shipping companies, uh, earlier this year we shipped, um, we had three containers en route to Nigeria all at the same time simply because the shipping companies kept setting them off uh, the ships and uh, uh, they ended up in places like the Canary Islands and they would leave them there for maybe four or five weeks and then they would move it on a little bit further and set it off another ship and then eventually move it on. Uh, so some of those containers took up to four months uh, to travel and that meant the depot then was out of literature. But this lady suddenly died uh, just about two months ago um, now, there's a young guy there called Chris, and uh, Chris has worked alongside Pastor Kima for many years, and uh, Chris has taken on looking after the depot there. But there is a fantastic amount of work going on in Nigeria uh, at this moment uh, in time. Um, now, um, you can see some of these people, these are some of the evangelists out on the streets of Lagos, uh, distributing the literature, witnessing, uh, and so on. Um, they have loud speaking equipment. They are not afraid uh, to make a noise and uh, at the same time uh, to share the good news of the gospel. We also work very closely with Every Home for Christ in Nigeria. They have divided the country into four regions. So you have northwest, northeast, south, uh, west, southeast. Um, and the, the guys working in the north, north, the, the whole of the north, uh, the north of Nigeria is facing a tremendous amount of uh, persecution in these days. Churches burn, pastors are being killed, and so on. I was talking to those two leaders uh, one day, and uh, these two young guys standing in front of me, absolutely beaming. And I said to them, do you not, uh, are you finding a lot of opposition? Uh, or do you find much opposition, you know, knowing that there was a lot of uh, this going on? And they said, oh, this says, of course there's opposition. You know, we wouldn't be doing a proper work if there was no opposition. That was their approach. Uh, and it was really, really interesting just to hear that. Um, so there's a lot of literature moving out. We, we print a lot of material in the House of Language, especially for the north of Nigeria, House of Gospels of John, House of Tracts. Those are going out <coughs> and being very widely used there in the north of Nigeria. We're also working with Bible Educational Services. Uh, we help them, a whole range of 
uh, again, Young People's Bible Study booklets, different range of languages. Uh, this is a supply in the French language uh, arriving in Burkina Faso. Um, then uh, we have uh, another consignment, and it had arrived in oh, Angola. And these are all teachers, um, and they have been being trained as to how to use the booklets and so on. Uh, there in Angola, uh, that's all Portuguese. Uh, then we have, um, uh, we go to Brazil. Uh, this guy, whoa, um, this guy has um, a boat. He's based up on the Amazon, and uh, he goes up and down the little tributaries, and whenever he goes up and down, he comes across the little towns, goes in and shares the booklets in the schools, and there the young people in the schools on the Amazon are studying the Word of God. So, uh, but we help uh, BS all over the place. Um, I also had an opportunity to visit Dominican Republic uh, about May time. Now, I am with Timothy Millen, uh, who works in our office there, and the guy in the center is uh, Brother Daniel Oscar. Uh, Daniel represents Every Home for Christ there in the Dominican Republic, um, and is doing a tremendous work. We're all together working with, I think it's four different ministries in Dominican Republic um, and helping. But he arranged a program for us to see. Uh, this was just a church service Sunday morning. Uh, Timothy, he did his preaching that Sunday morning. Um, at the end of the service, they made an appeal and there was four folk came forward. Now, um, I'd like to have said it was all Timothy's preaching, but it wasn't, um, we would discover it afterwards. Um, and I was a little bit intrigued because as those four folk came forward, I noticed other people were coming forward with them. And the joy on the faces of those other folk was absolutely amazing. Um, and I wondered, who are these folk? Are they relatives or what, what's going on? But afterwards, we discovered what this church was doing. He said the pastor during COVID preached entirely on the subject of evangelism. Now, what has happened is the members of the church are having home Bible study groups for unbelievers. So each member is setting up a home Bible study, inviting all their neighbors, friends, uh, all the unbelievers to a Bible study. Now they said many of their homes are so small, there isn't room um, even for 10 people to come and sit in the house. So what they're actually doing, everybody brings their own chair and they sit outside on the street and there they will have their Bible study. And at the moment, there are 40 Bible studies going on every single week from that one church, all the different members holding their own Bible study. And now what is happening is these people that have been studying the Word of God in their Bible study groups are now starting to come to the church, and then they're getting saved in the church uh, and getting involved and so on. So really, really encouraging to hear what was God, God was doing there. Um, now, then um, uh, we have, uh, we gave them sets of children's Bible lessons uh, for the Sunday school uh, so that they could teach uh, there. Then um, we also visited the work of CEF. Uh, we went to school one day and uh, the school gave permission for CEF to come in. They bring a whole lot of classes together and they have one big good news club. Uh, again, all the normal things, choruses, um, Bible lessons, quizzes, all the rest of it. 
uh, and then whenever that is complete, uh, then all those children go back to their class, and then another set of classes all come together again. Uh, and they actually run there for two days, uh, teaching all the children in that school on a weekly basis uh, coming in. So uh, it's a fantastic thing. While we were there, somebody else said to us, they said, look, uh, do you think that you could uh, come and visit our school as well? So, okay, we'll go and visit your school as well. And uh, we discovered that the headmistress in this school was a Christian. Uh, they had wonder devotional Bible study booklets that we had printed quite some time ago, shipped out to CF in the Dominican Republic. And these pupils were actually using these Bible study booklets. They're like a daily reading booklet. And they were using them day by day in the school. First 15 minutes of the school day was taken up with the Bible reading and answering the questions uh, and reading the comments there. And uh, even though we arrived in the middle of a break, um, they managed to pull this whole class together and they all ran, got their Bible study booklets and uh, there they are. So really encouraging to see the work uh, of CA. Uh, this was a night that we met with a lot of pastors. We gave them all uh, Bible lessons uh, to use. One of the most disappointing things I heard while in Dominican Republic was that many of the churches are closing their Sunday schools. Why? Because the teachers have nothing with which to teach the children. Uh, I thought that was so disappointing. But these, we gave these uh, flashcard Bible lessons to all those different uh, pastors to take back to the churches and to be able to use them. Um, I mentioned at the beginning that we have worked with four different groups. Uh, we have worked with Every Home for Christ. We have worked with a man, uh, John Sanchez, uh, for about 20 years. He has been ordering tracts and getting them in bulk. Uh, we worked with CEF and then another organization called Mice Foundation. So we brought all of them together one day, had a big meeting with them all, uh, discussion and so on, and uh, it was really good to be able to meet up uh, with these folk. Now, Daniel at this moment in time is in the process of building a literature store. He wants a literature store not just for Dominican Republic, but for uh, many of the Caribbean islands, uh, so that if he gets a big quantity of literature, then he can start and shift that out. So this was them in the middle of building uh, their literature store. You can see some of the health and safety maybe isn't just up to scratch, uh, but uh, that's the way they operate. And uh, he was very excited about this building uh, going up. So much so that uh, uh, he decided uh, the president of the country, president of the country has an advisor advising him about the evangelical churches of the country. And evangelical churches then can put in for a government grant uh, for a special project. So. Uh, Daniel, I think, decided that because he had two Western friends with him, that he would take advantage of the situation uh, and took us to the presidential palace uh, to put in his um, project. And uh, so um, uh, he was able to put his project in that day. I had never been to a presidential palace in all of my trips. Um, and we were shown through the presidential palace and all the rest of it. Um, so it was a very interesting uh, day for us. Um, but that was, that's the way. Now, we attended a whole lot of different evangelistic events, and we find these, uh, they use these four symbols quite a bit. First of all, the heart, 
the heart showing the love of God. God loves us, all right? So um, we see that right above us here, for God so loved the world. And then we have the division sign. How sin entered the world, how sin has separated us from God. Then we have the cross. Uh, and again, how the Lord Jesus Christ died on the cross. And then we have the question mark, what are you going to do with the gospel message? And that was a very simple um, um, I've simplified it, of course, but that was the, the basics of that program. Uh, and this popped up in different places uh, that we went. This here was a school uh, that the local pastor had taken over. It was a public holiday, so the school was closed. Pastor took over the school, invited the entire village, and many of these people came for the evangelistic event. Uh, it was quite interesting as far as we were concerned because a lot of these people um, were uh, uh, Creole speakers, um, which is the language spoken in Haiti, the neighboring country. Um, so everything had to be, you know, uh, double translated. So uh, it was translated from English to Spanish and then into uh, Creole. So everything, you know, it took a bit of time to get to get anywhere uh, simply because of all the translation. Uh, but uh, we managed that. At the end, then we gave out a lot of the literature. Uh, so these are some of the booklets that we have printed, some of the tracts, uh, and the people uh, received these. And this is what happened at many of the different evangelistic events. Um, this particular little church in a slum area, believe it or not, we came from the presidential palace directly into this little church. Uh, so it was complete contrast. Uh, people were packed outside, inside. Um, uh, people were hanging through the windows um, uh, for, the whole, for the whole event. And again, literature was given out at the end um, of uh, the service. Um, we also have printed Spanish New Testaments. Uh, so these children were all given the New Testaments. Uh, we were told the, the children will take these home and then there will be a real benefit to the entire family um, um, uh, as they get the word of God. Saturday afternoon, we went to another church. Um, all the church members were there. We weren't entirely sure what, um, it hadn't been explained to us exactly what was going to happen, uh, but they had a whole lot of our literature and they gave everybody in the church a little handful of every single booklet, every single item. Then we prayed um, with the members of the church. Uh, after that, we all went outside and uh, the whole idea was that the church were going to do evangelism in their entire neighborhood. In other words, visit the entire neighborhood that afternoon. And uh, so everybody set off different directions. And uh, well, we went uh, with Daniel and, and the pastor. Uh, I was quite amazed because uh, we literally had just gone a few yards. They turned a corner and suddenly we found this big embankment and all these little houses built uh, in the most precarious way on this very, very steep embankment. But you know what I find? People were willing to talk. People were willing to listen. People were willing to be prayed for. Um, people were open to receive the gospel literature. Uh, when we got to the very bottom of that embankment, we came across this group of men, um, and they were sitting uh, playing some sort of uh, game. Uh, but you know, when talked, talked to them a little bit, and uh, then uh, somebody said, well, pray. And you can see they all stopped the game, bowed their heads. Uh, there was total respect, no mocking, no messing around, 
total respect. At the end, they said, look, there's another group of ladies over there. You can go and pray with them as well. We did exactly the same thing. They stopped our card games, and we prayed with them as well. Of course, then we gave out uh, the literature for the boys and girls. They got the children's tracts. Uh, this little guy here, he went and started and read the entire tract out uh, to his mother. Um, so that was really nice just to see. So um, it was just good to see uh, that whole situation. But you know, one of the most amazing things was during the trip was seeing people coming to know the Lord as their Savior. That is in that little slum church that I mentioned a moment or two ago. That old man coming forward to trust the Lord to be his Savior. Um, this is the group of ladies, again, elderly ladies coming to know the Lord. That was that school that I talked about earlier on. Uh, and those ladies came uh, forward uh, during that um, event. And that was what was most encouraging. Now, of course, uh, Russia, Ukraine has been in the headlines uh, for quite some time now. Um, so um, uh, we uh, last year, I should say, well, when I say last year, I mean, yeah, last year and right up to uh, the beginning of the war, we shipped a total of seven container loads of Russian Gospels of John and leaflets into Russia. So big, big consignment into Russia. Then the war broke out. So now we can't ship to Russia uh, as such, uh, or at least with great difficulty. Uh, but of course, then we had to start printing Ukrainian literature. Uh, I think at the moment we print something like 1.4 million booklets, all in the Ukrainian language. Some Russian material as well, because there are parts of the country that also speak uh, the Russian language. Uh, so we've been busy getting consignments of literature out uh, for Ukraine uh, and so on. We also work very closely with, um, sorry, this is one of the churches on the west side of Ukraine. Um, uh, they have got our Ukrainian Gospels of John, uh, a lot of refugees there. So after the service is over, they give out food uh, for the refugees uh, and the gospel literature as well. I'm going to say we also work with uh, another organization, uh, Bible Mission. Uh, this is an ongoing project that we work with them. Uh, it's called One to Ten, and this is them actually going right out into the heart of Siberia. They have to travel um, in the winter they, to get across lakes and so on. They will, these folk drove over a thousand kilometers over ice um, and lakes just to reach um, into very small communities. Uh, there's a people called the Yakut people, uh, and they set off and they traveled uh, um, to the Yakut people, as I say, a thousand kilometers of ice. Altogether, uh, they traveled 17,000 kilometers uh, in Siberia, visiting little communities there and uh, taking gospel calendars, taking other literature uh, to these people. We work very closely with Bible Mission uh, year on year with this project, 1 to 10. The idea is very simple. Every Christian, come Christmas, is given 10 sets of literature. There is a scripture calendar, two booklets, and a uh, leaflet for children. And uh, the idea is every person distributes 10 sets of literature to their friends, uh, maybe neighbors, maybe family members, to the unsaved. Uh, and, but it's a huge project as far as we're concerned. Altogether, it's about half a million um, sets of literature. So right at this moment in time, we're in the middle of that. Uh, Bible Mission are working out how to get the material into Russia. 
then we do the Ukrainian language, the Romanian language, which was also spoken in Moldova. Uh, so uh, we work all these um, parts of the world. Whenever this literature here has been distributed, um, uh, they had followed up the, anybody that is really interested in the gospel message. Then they follow them up uh, using WhatsApp messaging uh, with local pastors um, in Siberia uh, and uh, keep in touch with people and so on. So it's an amazing um, effort to reach out uh, with the good news of the gospel. But we're thrilled to be able to work with these people and help them with the literature in order to reach out uh, to them. But you know, today and tonight, we have many, many, many brothers and sisters dotted literally all over the world, reaching out to their own people with the word of God, willing to do the work, and begging us for supplies of gospel literature. And you know, even tonight, as that literature goes out, you know, it sounds a lot of literature, and yet we are nowhere near meeting the need. There is tremendous opportunities, tremendous needs in these days as far as literature is concerned. And tonight, I just want to say thank you for the opportunity of coming and sharing. But we just ask you to continue to pray for the work, continue to pray um, for all the necessary finance. Uh, just to give you an idea, whenever we're talking about paper, uh, with all of the things that have been going on with war and energy and so on, paper prices have risen um, from this time a year ago uh, by about 60-70%. Uh, so that is um, a huge jump uh, in paper costs. Earlier in the year there was a real shortage of paper. Um, uh, it wasn't a case of phoning up and saying I would like to buy, it was a case of you are allowed to have. Um, but we managed to get right through that situation. That's beginning to ease a little bit. Uh, but there is no point at this moment in time even trying to negotiate a price. You just have to take whatever the, the price is simply because um, of the scarcity uh, as well. But that's by and by. The Lord has been good to us. The Lord has been supplying all our need, and we have kept the work going as best we can. So again, thank you for the opportunity of sharing. Uh, I should say there's some newsletters out there. I know you've been getting, you get them, but... <clears throat> If you haven't got, you can help yourself. There's some Christmas cards as well. Um, so there's 12 cards in a packet. All the packets are exactly the same. Uh, there's 12 cards in a packet, and they're £2.50. So if you're interested in any of those afterwards, feel free. So thank you very much.